I just pray. Uh, basically pray for him. He just came back from a business trip. And then uh, yesterday, he had to lead one full day of Daikonet Retreat. And he's very busy. And he had to prepare this sermon about busyness. And, then, uh, and he looked very shy. So, so he's the best person today to, to share God's Word. So where you are, please pray. Pray for yourself and pray for him. Then after that, I'll lead us in a time of prayer. Shall we do that? Okay, come. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that today, Lord, we can hear your word. Father, help us, Father, to look at your word. Lord Jesus, when he was on earth, he lived a very busy life, but yet he lived a peaceful, stable life. And teach us, Father, from this series, from your word, how do we draw strength from you in the midst of our busy schedule. I pray that, God, you will open our hearts, open our ears, open our spirit, ready to hear from you. I pray for your empowerment also on Vincent's Father, today that God, you strengthen him physically, mentally, spiritually, anointing be upon him as he bring forth your word. I pray that God, you will bring forth with clarity with your anointing and we too will respond in obedience and in faith. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Good afternoon. I just want to relate to you a story when I was in primary one, I was in this Christian mission school where we had chapel service once a week. And it was evident that when I was there, there were quite a few of us in that school who came from Chinese dialect-speaking backgrounds and were struggling with English as a primary one student. Now, the proud person, the proud person that I was, I concluded quite quickly and wrongly that my English was relatively better than these other friends of mine who struggled to pronounce words like now. N-O-W, now, they say lao, lao. And during one of the chapel services, there was a new song that I don't know why I didn't know, but a friend of mine, this um, dialect-speaking friend, uh, he, was speak, he was singing with gusto. And he was, I heard him singing, Hallelujah, 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 Praise ye the Lord. So I thought, this guy must have gotten it wrong. That again, he mispronounced door as law. And so I started to sing just as loudly, Hallelujah, 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 Praise ye the door. And for a whole year, I was praising the door. And I always sniggered when I heard my poor friend singing, Praise ye the Lord. It was only later in the year as I began to understand that Christians call Jesus Lord that I realized the stupid one was I. You know, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is sometimes the way to death. And you know, as we start, this business series. It is important, I think, in our lives, especially the older I get, I find that it is very important that every so often, and, and it's because the older you get, you know you have less time left. I find it's important that we always remember to take a step back 
and ask as a people of God, am I singing the right song? Am I dancing to the right tune? Am I praising the Lord or praising the door? But what is the measure we use? What is the ruler we use, the guiding light, to tell us when we're off or when we're on? My daughter was on uh, 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 this, this thing called, um, this computer software that was doing some uh, uh, graphics yesterday. And she showed me, she asked me uh, for help. I was the only one still awake, so she asked me for help. I couldn't help her. And she showed me 800 by 600. And she said, what do you think 800 by 600 means? Uh, I said, well, it could be anything, right? 800 and 600 could be mm, could be inches, uh, could be cm. And uh, obviously, I was no help to her at all. But you know, when we are not clear about what we're measuring, when we don't even know what ruler to use, then uh, we may not have this plumb line that can tell us is your wall that you're building straight or not. But for us as a people of God, Scripture, as 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us, is useful for four things. Scripture is useful for teaching us. It is useful for reproof. It is useful for correction. And it is useful for training in righteousness. Four things. And today, as it should be every Sunday and every Friday when you meet in your small groups, or every time you open the Word of God today, as we come under the sound of God's Word, as we come under the sound of God's Scripture, we need to recognize it is a teaching moment. We need to ask, Lord, is there something I need to recalibrate today as we take out the ruler of God's Word? Is there something we need to correct? So now, what I want you to do is turn to the chapter that we're going to talk about today, Matthew 6. If you turn to Matthew 6, I just want to do something simple with you. If you look at Matthew 6, verses 1 to 6, how many times do you see the word rewards appear? The word rewards, R-E-W-A-R-D-S. How many times do you see it appearing? The first guy to tell me will get the Subaru that singing didn't give you. I have a Subaru, by the way. If you take a look at Matthew 6, verses 1 to 6, how many times does the word reward uh, appear? Anyone? It's not so difficult, right? Sorry? Joseph? Five, right? Yeah. Out of the six verses, you see the word rewards appear five times. And I think sometimes as Christians, we have this wrong concept that God is against rewards. God wants us to suffer. God wants us to just grit our teeth. But if you look at Matthew 6, 1 to 6, Jesus is actually very concerned about rewards. You know why? Because if you go back to the beginning of time in Genesis 1, the concept of fruitfulness was there even before 
man fell. Go back and read your Genesis 1. Be fruitful and multiply was a command given to Adam and Eve even before they sinned. So I want to suggest to you that this concept of sowing and therefore reaping, this concept of putting in the hours and getting rewarded for it, is a concept that God approves of. We, as a people of God, should understand that rewards is something that is good. God desires to reward us. So the issue is not so much, oh no, I am working for rewards, and that is wrong. Uh, That is the wrong question, because there's nothing wrong with rewards in themselves. No, working in anticipation of rewards is correct. You should work in anticipation. You should sow expecting to reap. Fruitfulness is a word that is very often used in the Bible in a good way. You expect fruit when you plant a fruit tree. Otherwise, I don't know what you're doing, right? You expect fruit to come out of your planting. So the question is not so much going for rewards. There's nothing wrong with that. The question today is, what are you planting? What are you cultivating in your life? What is the quality of rewards you are working toward? I learned a new phrase recently uh, from the, one of the deacons. I like to use this word, bang for buck, right? because I'm a banker. So we always ask, is that bang for buck? Is the effort, is the result worth the effort? Or oh, this fellow gave me an even better phrase. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Wow, that's, 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 that, that I thought was really very good. It's very healthy and, and it's a lot better than is there bang for buck, right? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Is the result worth the effort. Jesus tells us this is something very familiar to some of us. Do not gather and heap up and store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and worm consume and destroy and where thieves break through and steal. But gather and heap up and store for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust nor worm consume and destroy, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Church, Jesus is saying to us today, be careful of what kind of reward you are working on. Be careful of what kind of reward you are cultivating, you are sowing for. Because there is one kind here that is where the juice is not worth the squeeze. You know, there was a... Well, let me give you the, re- <clears throat> the first reason why the juice is not worth the squeeze is that one... The moth and rust and worm, and I need a drink. Too excited. 
Well, the first reason it's not worth the squeeze is because it does not preserve well. Moth, rust, worm consume, or it can be stolen. You know, there was a time when I went for a mission trip to East Timor a long time ago, and uh, the, the currency they asked me to bring along was US dollars, and I exchanged US dollars uh, with my Sing. And that time, my Sing dollar, I exchanged it at US dollar, the exchange rate was 1.52, right? If you follow currency, uh, the US has been strengthening, but it's still at 1.4. I'm still losing money. Uh, I still have some of that left in my drawer. Uh, for a time, it even went to 1.25, 1.3. Uh, I want to show you something interesting. Totally nothing to do with uh, the sermon. But this is the price of oil. It is not reflective of what I'm paying at the pump, by the way. But uh, this was September 14, one year ago. And you've seen how far it's gone. You know, there was a time when I was young, uh, primary one, primary two, and we have big family gatherings. And these are all, like I said, dialect-speaking family members. And they always gather around and say, which cousin is doing very well? And they will always say, wow, this cousin has done so well because he's gone to level nine in dialect. Kao uh, Ho, okay, level nine. And then they say, no, there's a, even a better cousin who's gone to level 11. And that is Chap It Ho, okay, number 11. And over time, I realized that level number nine that they esteemed so highly was O levels. And level number 11 was A levels. How things have changed. If I bought my apartment that I bought last year or two years back, okay, I can't remember what I bought last year or two years back, uh, but some time ago, if I bought my apartment now rather than last year, I will only need to pay 90% of the price I paid. You know, these are some of the examples of the things that don't keep well. They don't preserve well. And of course, there was a time when I had hair and smooth skin. That didn't keep very well. Appearances. So we, we must be very careful that we are not devoting ourselves to things that don't keep well. That's what Jesus is telling us. It doesn't keep well. It's called shifting sand. Sand that shifts or quicksand. I will not park my Subaru car where there is quicksand, much less my life. Don't park your life on shifting sand. That's what Jesus is saying. The first reason is because it does not preserve well. The second reason that Jesus says treasures on earth are not worth the squeeze is because no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is a word generally used for uh, a very acquisitive spirit, something you want you to you acquire a lot. It's intense greed. So my, my son helped me in my sermon yesterday. He, said, he shared a joke with me about serving two masters. And he, this is how it goes. A man had two wives, uh, which, is, which is wrong, by the way. But a man had two wives, 
And when he was with the younger one, because he was older and had white hair, the wife, the younger wife would pluck out as much of his white hair as possible. So he looked more compatible with her, right? She didn't want to look too, that her husband looked too old. And then when he went back to his older wife, she would be quite disturbed that he looked so young with so much black hair. And she would pluck out some of his white hair, uh, his black hair to make him look older. And over time, he lost both his black hair and his white hair and looked like me. I'm not the man with two wives. Huh? I have a wife that looks very young. No one can serve two masters. Jesus tells us that treasures on earth are not worth the squeeze because there is this thing called an opportunity cost. And I think I can illustrate that later. In squeezing the Jews out of treasures on earth, we forego something. And Jesus says, we forego the greater treasure, the treasure of a relationship with God. And examples abound of opportunity cost. I've heard of a mother doing very well in her career who took a sabbatical, a career break, although her promotional aspects, uh, her promotional prospects were very good. She took a sabbatical, a break in her career to help her autistic son. So, something's got to give. Something gives. I also have friends who are fathers who miss their son's first birthday because there was a big deal to chase that needed him to be away. Something's got to give. Something gives. So when my children want to take on more things in their lives, I would usually advise them if they ask me for advice. What gives? Something has to give. Something will be forgone. Forgone. You must ask yourself, is it worth it? And Jesus warns us that in this one, where you go for treasures on earth, what gives is not worth it. Because the opportunity cost, the opportunity lost, is your relationship with God. Why? Because strangely it says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Note, it is not where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Note, it is where your treasure is, there your heart will be. The heart, our heart, our being, follows the, tre <coughs> the treasure. Any another drink? I just came back from Beijing, must be the air. And some of you may say, even if the treasures I chase don't preserve well, that is okay. My heart will stay with God. Meaning, I can chase these treasures, but you know what? It will be okay. My heart stays with God. Uh, Jesus says that's not how it works. The heart follows the treasure. 
You know, in Alexandra Village, there's this good eating place. There are many good eating places, but there's this good eating place. And I love this bun they have. This bun that the Chinese call mantou, this bun you, goes with the chili crab, right? I don't take crabs. So when people order chili crab, I order the bun. And I dip it in the gravy, right, while they eat the expensive stuff. And I love this bun. Um, and it's so good, I have even gone to this shop before uh, just to eat the bun with a cup of coffee. I dip the bun in the coffee and I eat it. It's, it's really good. It's soft and it's fluffy and it's really good. And so there was once I couldn't eat there, so I said, I want to take away. And why not? Why take away one? I bought four. So I said, let's have four mantou. I want to take it away. Uh, but you know, when I, by the time I brought it home, man, it was hard. It was awful to eat. And I thought that's a, that's a very good illustration. I, I think you can ask some other people who are good at cooking why, why it happens. But uh, it, it, it was totally different from the experience I had when it was fresh out of the oven. And I believe this is a good illustration of what treasures on earth can do to our hearts. It was soft at first toward God, but as it distances itself from the warmth of God's love, it can become calloused. C-A-L-L-O-U-S-E-D. Calloused, not callous. Huh? Your heart can become hard and cold when distanced from God. What are treasures on earth? Because it's a very broad category. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will, sorry, what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the, more, and the body more than clothing? You know, just now we talk about two masters. You cannot serve two masters. And then Jesus says this. You see the words in, in kind of grey. And how does Jesus connect the two verses together? Because there are two verses together, 24 and 25. He connects it with the word, Therefore that you cannot serve two masters when you are... You cannot serve God, you cannot choose the right master when you are anxious about your life. So much as your heart says, I want to follow God, when you are anxious about your life, uh, you will always find it a struggle to follow after God. And that's why Jesus puts a very good question to them. He asks them, what exactly is life to you? And he asks it in that form that the farmers and the fishermen understood at that time. He asks them, is life more, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Because in the busyness of our lives, self-sustenance and self-protection Therefore, food, food sustains you. Clothes, I suppose, protect your modesty. Or, or, and, and over time, these can be things that you are anxious about. What I'm going to eat, what am I going to be clothed with? My shelter. But in our context, when we don't worry about food, it could be something else. 
Something that sustains you. What, what sustains you? What is life to you? For some of us, it could be power. Power sustains us. Our position sustains us. For many men, that, that day I heard one very interesting comment. I don't think it would be true about me. But he said that many men uh, get over the deaths of their wives in, okay, I'll be more generous with the time period he gave. Like he said tw- 6 to 12 months. Many men get over the deaths of their wives in 6 to 12 months. Many men don't get over a loss, the loss of a job when, are, when, when they lose a significant position. I don't know what his stats were, uh, but you know, it is, it is different for different people. What sustains us is what makes us sometimes anxious. And you know, it's not just sustenance and self-protection, right? So many of us here in this room look so wonderfully provided for that it's no more about where's our next meal going to come from? Where is our shelter going to come from? But it is about increasing. We want to increase. We want to have more. And you know mammon? Working for mammon, you cannot serve two masters. You either serve God or serve mammon. Mammon is described in the original language as this word called avarice. Avarice, A-V-A-R-I-C-E, is an insatiable appetite, an unsatisfiable appetite for wealth and well-being. Self-sufficiency is the goal. And that gets us very, very anxious. So Jesus is ask, was asking them, and I believe Jesus is asking us today, what exactly is life to you? We recently invited Dr. Tan Lai Yong. Some of you may know him to come and speak to us. He was a missionary in China. And he's a man with many interesting insights into life. And he likes to interview Singapore students, Singapore hawkers, Singapore people about stuff. And he mentioned that every time, now that he works in a university, um, he likes to interview students. And he always asks them, why are you pursuing a degree? And he said almost always the answer would be to get a good job. Right? I'm pursuing a degree to get a good job. And he senses that that is such a myopic view of life uh, as a student. That it can be sometimes so self-centered and so small in purpose that it, all life is about for a student is to study hard to get a good job and start the game of accumulating more and more. And he pushes them with this verse. Those of them who are Christians, he shared this verse with them and with us. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. What was he trying to say? He was trying to encourage the students that you know the whole basis of education, of the blessings and the resources poured into yours and my life, we must, with that blessing upon our lives, elevate our vision, our eyes, beyond our navel, just looking at ourselves, we must elevate it and say, I will do good. With the resources, with the abilities that God has given to you, and that you trust Him to continue providing for you, there must be a higher purpose 
to do good, to do right, there must be a grander purpose. And I believe that's why Jesus is asking us today, is not life more than food, body more than clothes? And I hope your answer is yes. That my life is more than the sum total of accumulating stuff so that I can look good or my family can look good. Can you see beyond a grander scheme rather than just self-promotion, you and I, can we see a grander scheme, a bigger purpose than just self-promotion and self-advancement? Can our lives not be just I study to get a good job, law, right? Law is for emphasis. I study to get a good job, law. Then when you're working, I work to buy things, law, right? It's the Maldivian holiday. It's Tasmania. It could be the Alps, uh, whatever. There's nothing wrong with people who go to the Alps, by the way. It's just that I see a lot of you on Facebook. Um, so I hope there's a grander scheme of things for you and for, um, for me than our year-end overseas holiday. So why do we lose the plot? Why do we lose the plot? We lose it, myself included. I lose the plot all the time because of business. We lose the plot because we think the quality of our lives is up to us. That's why we lose the plot. We think that in the absence of our efforts, we will sink in the quicksand of poverty and lack, and we will be quickly forgotten. Then Jesus reminds us, although the birds of the air and the wildflowers are insignificant compared to you in IQ, in size, in lifespan, God feeds and clothes them. Now it's interesting to note that although you will probably think, what do you mean God feeds them? It is the bird that looks for food, right? I mean, the, the poor guy just flies around and, and, and looks for, for the worm. But it's interesting that Jesus describes it as, it is God feeding them. That as the lilies grow the way lilies grow, Jesus describes it as God clothing them. Do you see the overlapping involvement of God as the bird and the lilies and the grass live and move and have their being? There is that invisible hand of God giving the bird the eyesight and possibly the worm to be blurred enough to come up and then for the matchmaking to happen. There is, there is that, there is that, it's interesting that Jesus says that because I think he wants to tell us that there is an invisible hand at work. Your life is not, the quality of your life is not up to you. Much as you may think otherwise. And, we, and, and because we think it's up to us, we worry, we get anxious, and we stumble into the poverty trap, the worry of lack. And I believe the way to see the light is to understand this, that who we are, our lives, our resources, and I've said this before many times, they are all entrusted to us. And the breakthrough happens when we see ourselves, we are entrusted with seeds, we are entrusted with money, we are entrusted with resources to manage by God. God will take care of His stewards. You know, there's a, there's a, 
There's a verse in the Bible say, that says, when the ox, the cow, is working the field, you must not muzzle it. You know what's a muzzle, right? Muzzle is to, to stop him from feeding. The ox that works for you, you must leave him free that as he works, he enjoys the byproduct of the work. The, the things that come out that he likes to eat, he can eat as long as he works. But if your ox, your ox, if one day decides not, decides to say that my purpose in life is to eat, then you will probably kill the ox and eat it, right? Because if it gives up treading the field and thinks that its purpose in life is to eat, then I think it's a misguided ox. Same for us. Sometimes along the line, when we are entrusted with stuff, we mistakenly think that we own it. I work in a bank and I deal with loans. I lend money. And this just for example, say that I deal in, I, I, I lend X dollars, X million dollars. And the profit from making X million dollars is Y million dollars. Interest, fees, whatever. You know, I've been working as a banker for a long time. And at no point, uh, at no point do I delude myself into thinking that the X million or the Y million dollars is mine. Some banker friends, not, not friends, some bankers, <laughs> unfortunately, have been mistaken enough to take some of that for themselves. And they are serving jail, jail time now. Under the law, it is called criminal breach of trust. When we take what someone has entrusted to us for purpose A, and we use it for purpose B, it is a crime. The same analogy applies to us. Our lives, our resources are entrusted to us by God. He deposits these things in us and says, grow my kingdom with this. Grow my righteousness with this. Make things right. Where you are, extend doing the right thing. Trust in the Lord and do good in your school, in your workplace. Extend God's rule. Extend God's reign. That is purpose A. That is treasures in heaven. And contrary to popular belief, it is not incompatible with excelling in your work. Many Christians are confused that when we tell them to seek treasures in heaven, they become slobs at work. It is not incompatible with excelling in your work. At no point am I advocating that you look heavenly and you do no earthly thing. No. Working in anticipation of rewards, like I said earlier, is correct. I in fact have spoken to some of you that my wish, my prayer, is that there will be more Daniels, there will be more Josephs, like the biblical Daniels and the biblical Josephs, who will rise up from among you, especially the young one, in the marketplace, in government, occupying positions of influence to do good, to do right, to advance God's kingdom. 
And you know two people can be working to excel, both people want to excel, and their motivations can be totally different, correct? There can be two people who are working very hard to excel, and their motivations can be totally different. In Daniel's time, the top-notch civil servants, the high flyers in Daniel's time, they were all looking to do well. They did their jobs well, including Daniel. But you can tell the difference, the motivation of the heart, sometimes when it comes to the choices they make. High flyer number one, ex-Daniel, found that Daniel was becoming too much of a pain because he was getting the promotions ahead of them. So they started plotting. Then you can see a bit of the motivations of the heart. It is about self-sufficiency, self-sustenance, self-promotion. But he wants to want to excel. But his motivation is that. For Daniel, he excelled. But when the king's decree came and said, nobody can pray to anyone except, except to my, my, my statue, Daniel said, oops, that's not the motivation of my heart. My motivation is to excel in my work to bring glory to God. So I will still continue to pray to God. You get what I mean? Both are looking to excel. And as Christians, we must excel uh, to the best of our abilities. Don't, don't overstress yourself and kill yourself. But you must put in the hours. You must do well in your work. It is the most powerful testimony. The saddest thing to hear is that this Christian in church sing a lot of worship songs outside, very lazy. Very hard to be congruent. Okay? Of course, the, the workaholics here, I'm not, I'm not advocating your lifestyle either. I'm just saying you need a balance. Okay? And same for Joseph. For the sake of time, I won't talk about it. But it's not just the young we are after, it's the old. You know, there's a guy called Caleb, 80 years old. Not, not our Caleb, our Caleb is 8 years old. But 80 years old. And um, he says, give me this mountain, this hill country. At 80 years old, he says, I still have the strength. I still want to conquer for God. I know my life purpose. As long as I'm on earth, God has given me resources to do something with. If my time is up, he'll take me home. Okay, so as long as you're here, as long as I'm here, there is purpose A. Don't be guilty of criminal breach of trust and go to purpose B. You get what I mean? And God will provide. At no point am I saying, don't excel. At no point am I also saying, don't enjoy your food, cannot go to the Alps, uh, don't go for holiday. But hopefully when you show me the nice holiday photos or your latest gourmet adventures, I also want you to say, these are blessings from God. My purpose remains the same. I seek God's rule. I seek God's reign in my life. These are byproducts, outcomes that God blessed us with. But I won't lose the plot. You know, many of you practiced for worship yesterday, I suppose, for this. Um, a lot of you over the week took a small group. Um, you either led or you contributed. You are kingdom building. Allowing God to rule and reign. My, my wife, yesterday while I was preparing sermon, she was preparing this. Uh, this is not goreng pisang. Huh? This is not fried banana fritters. This is uh, uh, slippers, right? Uh, uh, feet to tell the children today that you must spread the word of God where you go with your feet. Okay? This is what she spent the bulk of last night uh, doing. 
And this is worth it. I'm telling you, this is worth it. I want to show you something else. This is... Uh, this is... Uh, let me see what's the biggest note I have. Huh? This is $50. It's the biggest I have. $50. I'll tell you, uh, one day, uh, this uh, will not be there. It won't last. It won't last. This one. This one in the life of a kid will last. That's what I mean. We must be aware. Okay, I'm putting this here, but I'm taking this back. Uh, yeah, I'm a banker, right? This is for the kids, for the kids. But it cannot be just within the church, right? It must be outside as well. Many of you will be working hard once tomorrow hits again in school, at work. But please, display a good attitude of excellence, but also display that Christ-likeness that I don't think I need to teach you. Don't grab and kill and stab and, and go shady ways because the, world of, the way of the world is such. You are higher than that. You have purpose A. God put you in that workplace, in that school, not to make that $50, not to make the many dollars that you will make. God put you there to extend His rule and His reign. So whatever it is, friends, use your talents, use your resources, your ability to philosophize, your culinary skills, your fashion sense, your popularity, your ability to communicate, your creativity, your, free, your physical prowess, your talent in sports, your agility, your nimbleness, your degrees, your wealth, your possessions, your influence, your position. And the list is not exhaustive to extend God's reign and God's rule because these are the resources God put into your lives. And don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to say, I'm sowing this, I'm cultivating this because I'm anticipating fruit. I am expecting a reward that lasts. Please don't spend your life scrounging around looking only for self-promotion. Your heart over time will, like my mantle, grow cold and very hard. Let me just end with, you know, between the two passages we talked about, do not gather, do not heap, and you can't serve two masters. You know what's the passage between this? It is this. Between that. The eye is the lamb of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? We need good eyes. Huh? We need good eyes. That's why, that's why the route to the heart is via the eyes. Many of us learn to love the things that we love, the Ferraris and all that, uh, because, of, uh, because of the eyes. I'm sure you, you're not like me. You, you, you are different. But for me, uh, when I see things, the desire starts, then the coveting starts. It's through the eyes. We need good eyes. We need to guard our eyes. The guy who wrote, Be Thou My Vision, is a clever guy. He tells God, Be my vision, be my sight. O Lord, your hand is lifted up, but they do not see it. Isaiah 26, 11. Let us never be like that. That God's hand is raised, but we don't see it. But instead, let us be like this. Turn my eyes, Lord, from looking at worthless things and give me life 
in your ways. If I can just ask the musicians to come up, just as you feel led to lead whatever song. I just want us to rise. And um, I just want to make a simple altar call. That as we worship God, um, if you feel led to respond, to come forward, uh, it's between you and God. So just come forward and, and pray and it's a step of faith. If it resonates with your heart, you say, Lord, I want to recenter my life. My life may have gone a bit off-center because of my busyness, because of things that happen. Somewhere along the line, I may have lost the plot. I may have thought that the quality of, the li- of my life depends on me. I want to get back, Lord, into the plot of seeking your kingdom, of doing right, of extending your rule and your reign in my life once again. Give me good eyes, Lord, to see true value. Okay? So as Jazz leads us in the time of worship, if this speaks to you, please come forward and uh, just respond to God as an act of faith. You can respond as and when. And I want to encourage you, if the Word of God speaks to you, let's just respond. Let's not delay. I want to pray with you.
wanted to also share with um, a word that the Lord impressed upon my heart as we were praying this morning that those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy there may be some of us here today who have been sowing and sowing and sowing and you don't see fruit and the Lord wants to assure you that as you are seeking His kingdom as you are seeking His righteousness as you are seeking to be a true steward you will reap you will reap with shouts of joy the Lord sees your tears encourage the rest of you to continue in that mood of worship you can leave quietly if you wish to but the altar is still open as the Lord speaks to you come forward and we want to minister and pray with you as a family
together. Um, the altar is still open. If you wish to come forward and be prayed for, you can. But I just want to close the main service together. Let's pray together. Father, we acknowledge today, once again, that all we have is yours. Lord, every good thing that we have in our lives, help us never be deluded, Lord, or be deceived into thinking that, Lord, it is not from you that it is ours to keep. Lord, we know that as your children, you have entrusted us with these resources to steward, to grow, to extend your rule and your reign, to do good, Lord, in the places you have brought us to, so that people may see our good deeds and give glory to you, our Father in heaven. So I pray, Lord, that you will energize us you will let us give up our small ambitions. Lord, inspire us to take on the bigger purpose, the eternal purpose that you have prepared for us. Let us be working toward things that last, Lord. Things that will not rot or will not be stolen. So I pray for a paradigm shift for those of us who need that shift. And for those of us who are sowing and we are not seeing fruit, I pray for your encouragement to come that, Lord, those who sow in tears will one day reap with shouts of joy. So, Lord, we claim your blessing upon our lives that, Lord, you will enable us to be the witness in our workplaces, in our families, and in our schools. Energize us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.